Revelation chapter number 3. We're going to look at these last three verses of this particular passage here as the Lord ends his pronouncement, his letter here to the church at Laodicea. Uh, he speaks these words to them. Uh, he tells them, of course, be zealous, therefore, and repent, where we ended this morning. And then he, he says this uh, to them. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh, Will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne? He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. This is how he ended all of his letters. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And so this is the end of this letter to the church at Laodicea. The Lord declaring here that he was outside the door of this church. They had put him out. They had declared to him they didn't need him. They had said, we've, we've got it taken care of, Lord. We, we don't need anything. We've got everything we need. We don't need anything. We don't need anything from you. We appreciate your help. We appreciate your grace. We appreciate the salvation that we've gotten from you. But thank you, Lord. We'll take care of everything else. We've got this. And they put, in the, Lord, put the Lord outside the door of this church. Now, not the physical door. Not outside the building. But outside the spiritual door of that body. And so this is a, a, a very powerful picture that the Lord gives us here of what our sin, of what our self-sufficiency and what our own strength and our own wisdom, what that reality can, can get us into, put us in a place where we are separated from our Lord and from that fellowship with Him. So much so that He's Outside the door, he said. Behold, I stand at the door, he says, and knock. I stand at the door and knock. Now, this is so often, uh, in, in most cases, in fact, you go read uh, most commentator, commentators today in regards to this, most messages that's used in regards to this particular passage, is going to use this as an evangelical declaration that God's somehow trying to save sinners. And he's outside that sinner's door, knocking heart's door, and knocking on their heart, trying to get them to open up, trying to get them to see that he's there to save them. That's not what this is. That's not what this is about. This is not a, an evangelical declaration. Number one, we know this because of what the Scripture describes to us concerning the sinner's heart. One who is without Christ, their heart is dead 
in trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that very clearly. So being dead in trespasses and sins, it don't matter who's out there knocking on the door of that heart. There ain't nobody inside that can open it. There ain't nobody can open it. The one that's inside, dead. And trespasses and sin. The scripture tells us very clearly, God is the one who opens the sinner's heart. Ezekiel describes it as a stony heart and God gets a hold of it and turns it into a heart of flesh. Makes it alive, you see. He's the one that does that. This is not... This is not an invitation to salvation here that's being spoken. Because in salvation, God opens our heart. And He makes Himself known to us. He gives us life. We can't open up the door. And so He don't even take time to knock on it. (laughs) He just opens it. And so this, this is in reference here to the children of God. Particularly this church at Laodicea, the Lord is declaring to them that He is separated from them. Not because He has left. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He does not depart from us. But we can depart from Him. And this is what's being shown here is their separation from God. Their own worldliness, their own self-wisdom, their own self-understanding, their own strength. It had separated them from the Lord. It had separated them from that fellowship. And they find themselves now because of their moving, not Christ moving, but because of their moving, they had closed off the door to the Lord for fellowship. And the Lord says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. Now, he's talking, of course, here to this church at Laodicea. But we understand that it applies to us individually. It applies to us individually. A church is what its members are. The church is what its members are. And God deals with the church through its individual membership. He deals with me. He deals with you. He deals with all of us as His children. And in His working in us individually brings us together as His body in Christ. Helps us to draw closer to Him, and as we draw closer to Him, we draw closer to, then to each other. You see. And so this, this, is, this is Him speaking to this church, to the individuals of this church, to open up that fellowship with Him. To open that door, and He stands at that door and knocks. Now, because He's dealing with us individually, anyone of us can open that door to the Lord and have fellowship with Him if we will repent. Repentance is necessary. The Bible tells us there in in 1 John chapter number 1 
John writes to us here concerning this reality uh, about our daily need for cleansing. Uh, This is not for our salvation. We are cleansed in Him in salvation. But because we are sinners and because we continually sin against Him, we need daily cleansing. And so that daily cleansing then requires us to be daily repenting. That needs to be an ongoing reality for us each and every day. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, for my sin. Forgive me, Lord. Yes, it's already washed. Yes, it's already done in Christ Jesus. We know that. But we still fail. And when we fail, when we sin, that fellowship between us and God is hindered. And we close that door because of our sin. And so we need that daily cleansing. We need that daily repentance in us that that door stays open between us and our Lord, that we have that free fellowship between us and our Lord, that there's nothing between us that would hinder hinder our place with Him. And so we read here in 1 John, for instance, in verse number, uh, chapter 1, rather, in verse number 7, uh, John writes here, for, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. That word cleanseth is in the perfect tense. That means it has cleansed, it is cleansing, and it will continue to cleanse. We need that constant cleaning, you see. And so he says, if we say, verse number 8, that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, verse number 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that we daily need to be seeking God's forgiveness. We daily need to be repentant before our Lord that we not be separated from Him because of sins that have come in our lives. And remember, we sin so easily. We sin so freely. Sometimes we don't even realize how we've sinned. We don't even know the depths of it. We might see the big ones in our lives. We might see those, those constant ones in our lives that we struggle with. But we, David asks, he prayed, Lord, show me. If there be any wicked way in me, show me. The Lord's the only one who knows the depths of our hearts. And he's the one that can show us all those wickednesses that we have hidden away that we don't even recognize are there. And so we need that daily cleansing. And so in order for us to open that door for the Lord, in order for us to have that fellowship with Him as He's standing outside knocking, there needs we can open the door, but there needs to be a cleansing. There needs to be repentance in us. 
to have that relationship there with our Lord restored as it should be. When we allow sin and worldliness to come into our lives, we close that door to fellowship and to service. Not only fellowship with our Lord, but fellowship with one another as well. So we close that door. When we allow sin a place, when we allow worldliness a place, we're shutting ourselves off from each other and especially from the Lord. And he says, I'm standing outside the door and I'm knocking. If any man hear my voice, who's going to hear his voice? My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And they know me. They'll follow me, he says. And so his people, his children, will hear it. We'll hear his voice. So he says, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in unto him and will sup with him and he with me. So this is our Lord calling us to fellowship with him. Calling us to repent of our sin. Calling us to cast off this worldliness. Calling us to, to put off self. And calling us to look to him. To open the door to him. So the only way that door can be opened the only way that door can be opened is through repentance and true confession. When, when we are cut off in fellowship and when we are cut off in our service to the Lord because of sin, we, again, we realize the Holy Spirit never leaves a child of God. That's His promise to us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We are sealed. The Bible tells us until the day of redemption that He simply does not leave us as the children of God. He's always present with us. But He is grieved by our sin. He is quenched by our failures and by our sin and by our our worldliness. He is quenched in those things when sin enters in and, and the believer begins to say no to God. That he's grieved and he's quenched. But through repentance, through true confession, that door can be opened. As we talked, he's already said to us, verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chase them. Let me tell you, you're not going to be able to stay away from the Lord. If you're his child, if you've been truly born again, if you have experienced Christ Jesus as your Lord, you will not be able to stay away from him. You will hear his voice. And you will open that door. Because you won't be able to stay away from him. And so he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and we'll sup with him and he with me. Man, what a, what a privilege. Amen. 
privileged to have such fellowship with the God of heaven. That we can sup with him. That we, that we are sustained in him. That we have our strength in him. That, that we have that kind of fellowship with him. That he is ever present for us. Man, what a privilege. Why would we want to cut that off? Why would it be that, that we would somehow think that, that we would be better off if we were, if we were shut off from the Lord? And that's, that's exactly what our sin does. It's exactly what our self-sufficiency does. As these folks were saying here, we, we're rich, we're increased with goods, we have need of nothing. Lord, I've got all, hey, I've got everything I need, Lord, thank you. I'll see you Sunday morning. Why, why would we want to be satisfied with that? He, he tells them they, they are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And why are they all these things? Because he's outside the door. He's outside the door. They, they've strained their fellowship with Him. They've sinned against Him. They, they've turned their back on Him. They, they've become self-sufficient in, in their own strength and their own power. And so because of this, they've removed themselves from the presence of the Lord. And what we get from Him, the peace, the joy, the comfort, the love, the grace, all of these things that we get from Him, it pales in comparison. I mean, this world has nothing to offer us. Absolutely nothing. You have nothing to offer you. When you compare it to what the Lord gives, when you compare to what He offers us, when you compare to what we have in Him, you've got nothing. Why would we dare think it's better? How could we dare think that I'm better off with the Lord outside the door? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, and open the door. I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. The Lord does that, of course. He, he, he helps us to hear by that rebuking and chastening. He helps us to hear by that pleading and wooing and convicting of the Spirit of God who sets our love and our affection upon the Lord Jesus and takes it off of ourselves to help us see I have need of everything from you, O Lord. I have need of everything from you. Verse 21, he says, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame 
and am set down with my Father in His throne. To Him that overcometh. All those who have been born again have overcome the world. Now, this is given to us in the present tense. We have overcome the world. Right now, already, we've overcome the world. Now, we don't see that. And why don't we see it? Because we're filled up with worldliness. We're filled up with sin. But we have overcome. And, and we overcome not by our good deeds, not by all that we have done, not even, not even because we have opened the door there in verse number 20. That's not how we overcome. We overcome by the blood of Jesus. And by the word of our testimony. Revelation chapter 12, and verse number 11, it declares that, that reality of overcoming. Revelation 12 and verse number 11 says, They overcame him, speaking of the Antichrist, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their own lives unto the death. We overcome by the blood of Jesus. It's what he's done for us that has made us overcomers. It's what he has worked that has made us overcomers. And, and to each of these seven churches, there's a promise to the overcomers. Go back to chapter 2 and verse 7. Right there to the church at Ephesus. He gives them this promise. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. To Smyrna, he says there in verse 10 and verse 11, he says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. That ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. To Pergamos there in, in verse 17. He says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written which no man knoweth saying, uh, saving he that receiveth it. And in the church at Thyatira there verse 26 and verse 27 he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end to him will I give power over the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall they, shall they be broken to shivers even as I received of my Father. Chapter 3 there in verse number 5 with Sardis. He says, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. 
And I will not blot out His name out of the book of life, but I will confess His name before my Father and before His angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Verse 12 to Philadelphia there. He says, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And then again, verse 21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me. In my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in His throne. These promises are given. These, these rewards are a part of this overcoming. And, and these, these privileges are given because we overcome. And how do we overcome? By the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. Doing good things and believing good things is not overcoming. Doing good things and believing good things are results of the overcoming. We overcome by the blood of Jesus. We overcome because He has overcome the world for us. He has overcome for us. John chapter 16, verse number 33. John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world, He says, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. So he, has, he is the one who has overcome. He is the one who has accomplished that for us. And then John writes in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 4. John writes here, 1 John 5 and verse number 4. Let's just go back up to verse 1 and read now because that's just good stuff. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. So if you love God, you're going to love Christ Jesus. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. And of course, we're going to love one another because of that love He has for us. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. And He says in verse number 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. There's no can in there. Or there's no possible. Or there's no maybe there. That's not what he says to us there. But rather what he said, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. 
The children of God overcome the world. And we overcome it because our Lord has overcome it. We overcome it by the blood of Jesus who has overcome it for us. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Even our faith. All believers, all those that are truly born again, overcome this world. We have overcome this world. Now he says in verse 33, I'm sorry, verse 22, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. God's message is plain enough to all who will receive it. If you've got an ear to hear, it's because God has given it to you. And he's not talking about this, but he's talking about that spiritual ear. That ear that is given us by Christ Jesus that we can hear his voice. That we know him. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. God's message is plain. Don't be so presumptuous to think that you'll get to heaven merely because you profess or because you do good things. Those in heaven are those who have a living faith in Christ Jesus alone. Have a living faith in Christ Jesus alone for salvation. The kind of faith, James tells us there in James chapter 2, that produces works. Produces works. If you have this living faith here, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.